ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Okay, Coach, it's another week. It's another episode of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. And yet again, we've got another former Cardinal representing for Wesleyan at the highest level. Tell everyone about who our guest is going to be today because you are more familiar with this person just about anyone else at Wesleyan. Yeah, so really a treat for me. You know, uh, uh, Shane Scannell, class of 15, uh, offensive lineman at West, played for me. And, uh, you know, really uh, one of the guys that came in uh, and, and, uh, in our first recruiting class and, uh, you know, really kind of was with us every step of the way in terms of, uh, you know, changing the culture and building the team. And, uh, you know, just great to see him go on and, pursue a career in professional sports and he's he's done some great things in a very short period of time with uh with tampa bay and uh looking forward to uh hearing uh, about the, their season going on obviously really excited about what's going on down there yeah so it's not very often you get to get inside the brain of someone who's a professional scout for a professional football team it's really kind of one of those industries not a lot of people know a lot about so it's going to be real interesting to pick his brain figure out just how he ended up in tampa bay and and how he ended up at Wesleyan. We're going to find all that out in just a few seconds. But first things first, it's time to hear from the man behind the man behind the man. That is, of course, our producer, Mike O'Brien. Mike, tell everybody how they can listen and be a part of our podcast. Yeah, so you can follow Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you with feedback or suggestions for the podcast. Uh, you can email us as well if you're not on social media. And that email address is athletics at wesleyan.edu you can also find this podcast on the wesleyan university soundcloud channel and we're also on apple Podcasts. Uh, so if you're enjoying what you hear then we'd love for you to hit that subscribe button and provide a review and coach i mean i can't i can't let it go without pointing it out you know our first guest of the year wasn't really doing a whole lot with his career now he's the president <laughs> of the cubs after he came on our podcast so you know i mean People out there, yeah. if you want if you want that bump, you come on, Chris and Coach, and some things are going to happen for you. Well, we're, I'm telling you, the phone's ringing off the hook. I'm getting uh, people, you know, asking, "Hey, how do I get on this? How do I get on this podcast?" And you know, we just say, "Hey, be patient. You you know, wait your turn. Good things will happen to you." So uh, yeah, they're lining up. They're lining up out there, Chris. But in all seriousness, we do want to thank and congratulate our, our opening guest on our podcast, Jed Hoyer former Wesleyan Cardinal baseball player, and, and he has just been promoted to the president of the Chicago Cubs. Really big deal. I know, Coach, it's made all Wesleyan alums very proud. I, and I would have uh, missed out on an opportunity if I didn't point out how big of a news that was for all Cardinal and all Cardinal no. fans uh, this past week. Absolutely. We're we're thrilled for Jed. And, you know, obviously he was so so gracious to come on our show and, and uh, you know, truly one of the all-time best alums and you know, really loyal to Wesleyan. And so, again, you know, you, you just love it when good things happen to good people. And he's one of the best. And uh, we're excited for Jed and look forward to, uh, you know, to uh, following the Cubs going forward. So from one good person to another, we checked in with Jed Hoyer in week one. You can go back and listen to that podcast if you want. All you got to do is go, like uh, Mike O'Brien said, go and check us out on our various podcasting forums. But for now, we're going to check in on class of 2015 former offensive lineman for the Cardinals, 
current Tampa Bay Buccaneers pro scout Shane Scannell is with us, and his interview is coming up right now. And it is another edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, along with the coach, Mike Whalen, the producer, Mike O'Brien. I'm Chris Grayson. Today, we're joined by yet another fantastic Wesleyan alum class of 2015 former offensive lineman for Coach Whalen's Cardinal football team and a current professional football scout for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shane Scannell is here to join us. Shane, thank you so much for spending some time and being a part of our podcast. So Shane, what we like to do every week is first things first. We want everyone to know kind of how you ended up at Wesleyan, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll lead that into your your amateur football career, into your college football career, and kind of what you're doing now. So tell everyone how you ended up in Middletown and how you made that decision to become a Cardinal. Well, it was my senior year of high school, and I sort of was late in deciding that I wanted to continue playing football in college, and uh, my options as a five eleven, two hundred twenty pound offensive linemen were very slim. So, you know, I was really more trying to get myself recruited than really being recruited. And uh, actually a guy in my neighborhood, Dave Bagatelle, uh, he told me about Wesleyan and he uh, kind of sold me on it and told me the history of the school and, you know, the academic prestige and all that. So I uh, reached out to them actually. And uh, at the time there was an interim uh, coaching staff and it was actually Keith Hellstern who, uh, returned my call and said, Hey, yeah, why don't you come up for a visit? And, um, went on that visit and loved it and had a great time and kind of fell in love with the school and then ended up going early decision there. And that was kind of how I ended up with Wesleyan. And it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, for us coming in, you know, myself and coach Desenzo, uh, when we, we arrived and, uh, you know, early decision, uh, was already kind of in the bank, so to speak. And, there was a there was a you know group of kids that um, you know that that had gone early and you know kind of trusted in the process and believed that uh, you know you know Coach Bittescombe and uh, the Wesley administration would you know would uh, uh, bring in a good you know good staff and you know obviously you know they say all the time you should you should you know pick a school not based on the coach but based on the school and clearly you know Wesleyan was a school you believed in Shane and. Uh, I can tell you though that Coach Desenzo and I were, you know, you know, when we came in, you know, we're we're you know we're we're a little bit behind the eight ball, obviously, because um, you know now we're you know instead of recruiting for for uh, Williams, we're we're now recruiting for Wesleyan, and uh, uh, but uh, it was a situation where you know we saw your film, your film was still there, and we knew you know the type of program you were coming from at Bosco, and you know for us you know, that was a big deal was, you know, getting a kid out of Bosco and bring a winning mentality and, you know, high expectations and, you know, good in the weight room. And, you know, I know that, you know, from our first conversations, you know, I, I just felt like it was going to be a good fit for you. So uh, we were, we were really excited. We were really fortunate, I think, to, to get a guy like you in that first recruiting class to come in and you know, help us build that foundation. You know, coach, you just talked about Don Bosco prep and, you know, Shane, for the people that don't know, you know, people talk about high school football in the South. They talk about high school football, obviously, in Texas and in California. People don't understand just how big high school football is in parts of New Jersey and, and in Western Pennsylvania. Um, for our listeners, let them know what it was like going to a school like Bosco, a school that competed for national champions championships 
when you were there and has continued to have excellence, the premier program in all of New Jersey. Talk about kind of what your experience was like playing high school football for such a powerhouse. Yeah, playing there was an unbelievable experience. You know, it was uh, certainly extremely competitive and, you know, just the opportunity in my time there, you know, we traveled to Ohio to play St. Xavier. We traveled to California to play De La Salle. We traveled to Alabama to play Prattville. And, you know, it was really high-level football. In my class alone, I think we had 12 Division One players. And probably on the team, if you go freshmen to seniors there, we probably had about 30 guys at the school at the time that ended up playing high-level D1 ball. And then uh, a bunch of guys in the Ivy League and a bunch of guys in the NESCAC. And, you know, some of those guys ended up playing professionally. So, you know, really – my senior year, we ended up winning the national championship, and it was really just a great experience, and it's really high-level football that I think, like you said, you know, I don't think New Jersey gets enough credit on a national level for the type of high school ball that they have. You know, you talk about that a little bit, um, you know, being an undersized guy and trying to play a position that typically someone of your build and your stature wouldn't have been able to play. I'm sure competing every day at a school like that had to help you kind of uh, build the insides that it took to be able to play college football. Yeah, I think it absolutely did. And, you know, my experience was kind of unique where, you know, like I was saying, my class and really Don Bosco as a whole at that time was so talented that I didn't get to earn a starting spot until my senior year. And then my senior training camp, it's about two weeks before De La Salle from California is traveling to New Jersey to play us. I actually break my ankle. So that was going to be my first opportunity to play and start. So really I didn't even end up having any good high school tape until the end of that season where I got some kind of mop-up duty more than anything else. And really what I ended up selling was just the fact that I was competing against high-level Division One defensive linemen every day. And I actually ended up sending out some practice and scrimmage tape and saying, hey, look, this guy's a four-star, this guy's a five-star, and I'm blocking him halfway decent. So, you know, that was kind of a unique experience for me. And I think I think also Shane, you, you mentioned it earlier, but uh, you know uh, Wesleyan alum uh, Dave Bagatelle, uh, you know he is a uh, high school football junkie. Like he he loves high school football, and and uh, you know as soon as uh, we arrived on the scene, you know Dave and I played together, and you know he's like you know Mike, we can get more guys out of Jersey, and it's great football, and uh, you know obviously you know you had a relationship with him, and and he you know, just spoke so highly of your character and, you know, just again, you know, the, the, the intangibles that you were bringing and, and, you know, I, you know, in my time at Williams, you know, we had kids, you know, that, that came, you know, from similar programs that, you know, either weren't starters till their seniors or even sometimes didn't start. We, you know, we had a backup quarterback, uh, Mike Bajakian, uh, you know, who uh, ended up, uh, you know, coming, coming to Williams and, and being a great player and never started a game in high school. So, you know, depending upon, you know, where you're coming from and what the level of competition is, a lot, you know, so much of it, so much of it just comes down to, you know, your, your, your desire and your passion for the game. And, and that was something that you clearly displayed on a daily basis. So, Shane, we talk about having to kind of, you know, work your way just to have an opportunity to play college football. Then you end up at Wesleyan and there's a turnover in coaching. Uh, my co-host, Coach Whalen, becomes the head football coach at Wesleyan right when you get there. You guys end up building up, have a, a rocky, uh, you know, a couple of years to build the program up, and then back-to-back seven-and-one seasons while you're in Middletown. Talk about kind of, you know, the growth of the program under coach. And you were there from the beginning, obviously, so you had nothing to compare it to. 
but talk about kind of what it was like to to build your way up and then and then you know get all the way to to taking down Williams for the first time in forever and winning big games against Trinity and alike to to kind of create yourselves as one of the premier programs in all of the conference. I think it was a really special experience and you know really probably the most fun I ever had playing football and Coach Whalen and Coach Desenzo they did such a great job setting the standard for the program and then I think what was unique for us was that the way that we came in we kind of most of us got a chance to start for two, three, four years and really get to build up our experience from sophomore to junior and senior. And every year, you know, you just saw the team collectively get better and better and better. But not only was it that, but the culture was built from the ground up with the players and the coaches. And then that continuity with the team for three and four straight years, I mean, I think it just allowed us to do something really special. And like you said, those back-to-back seven and one years, that was a heck of a time. And really special experience and i'm sure coach has a lot to add to this but real quick before we get too far i want you to tell me your favorite story that you experienced involving coach whalen during your time as a cardinal (laughs) this is something you're the first player that we've had i believe on that coach coached so this is a unique opportunity for me i've got to get one previously untold story that only you or or a player on the football team from that time would would have known about coach whalen oh man you know, I don't know that I have any good, funny stories, but I think that my most vivid memories of Coach Whalen are always our Sunday meeting after our Saturday game, and we'd all come into the hockey rink, and he would get up and address the team. And I just always remember, you know, him having a very specific and detailed message for us about the game and exactly what we needed to do to get better, what didn't go well, what did go well, and how we need to go from there. So. I'm trying to think. I don't have any good funny stories for you, but that's my most vivid memory of him as a player is just those meetings and him always having the exact right message that we needed. So I know it's not giving you what you wanted, but I'll sing his praises a little bit instead. <laughs> well, you know, I think, uh, you know, um, you know, what, what, what I remember too is, is, um, you know, when, when we got there and, and again, you know, you know, for me as a as a head coach, but also an offensive line coach and a former offensive lineman, you know, I just, you know, I, you know, I, I just really wanted to, um, you know, kind of change the mentality. And, and I think, you know, previously, um, you know, it was a situation where they threw the ball an awful lot and, you know, throwing the ball 50, 60 times a game. And, you know, it, it you know, we knew that, you know, especially when we first got there, that, you know, one of the things we were going to have to do is we we're going to have to run the football to, to be competitive. Um, and, you know, Shay Dwyer really, you know, uh, made us all look like good coaches. Um, but, uh, you know, I think part of that mentality was building that offensive line and really, you know, believing, getting guys to believe that, you know, hey, we were going to run the football. We were going to be, you know, committed to the run. We were going to impose our will on, on our opponents. And, and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, as we progressed and as Shane progressed and other guys that he played with progressed, you know, we, we kind of adopted that mentality. And, you know, when I look back, you know, I, I, you know, we had a lot of really talented football players, but, you know, I really believe that we, you know, in the offensive line did, did a lot to, you know, sort of just create that mentality within that program in terms of, you know, the work ethic that we were going to need work, you know, week in and week out. And, we weren't always perfect. You know, there's no question about it. We, we, uh, you know, there were always things we could do better, but, 
you know, I think there was never a time when anyone associated with our program ever doubted the effort, you know, and that's really what I'm most proud of. So Shane, as we, you know, we cover you, you getting to Middletown and going to Wesleyan and, and talked a little bit about your time playing for Coach Whalen. You know, I'd like to turn the corner and, and, and spend a good amount of time talking about what you do now. Um, you're a professional scout for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and on a day-to-day basis, what goes into the life of a scout? We hear about scouts all the time in baseball, but no one knows anything about football scouts. Other than the draft, what's your week-to-week schedule like in terms of being a professional football scout? And actually, I might have jumped the gut there, too. I want to know, how did you end up getting in? to becoming a football scout first. And then you can tell us all about what goes into being a football scout. So starting with how I got into it, um, it was something that I always knew that I wanted to do. My goal ever since I can remember is to be an NFL general manager. So to sort of figure that out, I just kind of started doing research on how you get that type of job. And I saw that the way that, you know, about 90% of those guys start is by being a scouting assistant. So I was just, looking for ways to get in. And I always knew it was what I wanted to do. I just wasn't sure I'd ever get the opportunity to. So um, back in my junior year, uh, my dad gets a text and this is actually my junior year football banquet. We're sitting at the table. And I remember this vividly. My dad gets a text from his buddy saying, Jason Light, the Bucks GM just got hired. And he was a guy who my dad worked with at Stryker for about six months, 30 years ago. And then Jason actually ended up leaving to go back to work and scouting. And my dad kind of said some not so nice things to him about making that decision. And then he went back and he never heard from him again for, like I said, about 30 years. So he gets hired and then my dad tells me that story and I decide that that's going to be my in to get in. So I just kind of, sent out a bunch of cold emails to him and said, you know, I'm not sure if this is the best or worst idea I ever had in my life. My dad told me the story about you leaving Stryker and it struck me because I've been talked to that way my whole life and I love that you proved him wrong. And then that was sort of my introductory email to him and he ended up getting back to me and uh, then had a phone interview and then eventually flew down for a uh, in-person interview to be a scouting assistant and then ended up getting the job. So that was kind of my unique way in. That's awesome because, you know, a lot of times, you know, with all of our guests that we've had, there's always that one moment where they catch a break one way or another. Sometimes it's through a connection. Sometimes it's through pure luck. And in your case, it was a little bit of both. Um, but but what you, you did there was that you, you stuck your neck out for something that you wanted to do. And I think that's kind of a common thread, Coach, that we've seen with a lot of our guests is, you know, you, you get some breaks, but you got to make your own breaks. And it seems like, obviously, you took a chance out there and, and you were rewarded for it. So now that you get that job, tell us exactly on a day-to-day basis, a week-to-week basis, what the life of an NFL scout is like. I mean, what what is your day like on a on a you know on a Monday through Sunday type of basis during the season? So during the season, there's two sides of uh, scouting. So there's college scouts, there's about eight of them, then there's pro scouts, and there's two of us. And I'm one of the two pro scouts. So our uh, job during the season is a little different than the college scouts who are out traveling the country and going to different schools every day. Uh, My day-to-day is more working on our upcoming opponents. That's the biggest job for me in season. So I'm one of two guys who does the advanced scouting report. So, for example, today I presented to the coaching staff on the Chiefs, our upcoming opponent. And then for the two weeks leading up to that, I've been working on the Chiefs 
and writing reports on all their players, putting grades on them, uh, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, all their personnel packages for offense and defense and all that type of stuff. And then uh, beyond the advance report for us in season, it's a lot of just monitoring the waiver wire every single day. Um, players are released every day. And then it's just, you know, if a guy jumps out and we think that they can help us, then we'll recommend them. And uh, that's the biggest part of our job in season is really the advance and the waiver wire. And then at the same time, when we're writing all these teams, we're putting reports and grades in not only for the advance, but kind of concurrently by doing that, we are also putting reports and grades on all the guys that are going to be upcoming free agents in the off season. So really it's the advance and then it's the waiver wire and then it's working on the free agents who are going to be coming up. And then also in the season, in a normal year, it's a little different with uh, COVID, but we'll also get out and do about five or six school calls per year and go to colleges too. And so we get a good mix of both dealing with our upcoming opponents for the advance. And then we still get a little bit of the college experience during the season as well. And Shane, have you been, have you been the, in the, in the, in the pro scout, you know, for your all, your entire time there, or did you start in the college and then move to the pros? I've been in the pros for the whole time. So I was a scouting assistant for my first year. And then this is now my fifth year doing uh, pro scout. Okay. So, and, and, you know, well, one other thing, Chris is just, just, um, you know, one of the things that, that uh, again, as Chris alluded to earlier is, um, you know, we, we, you know, in talking to the number of guests that we've had that are working in pro sports, you know, the one thing that I love to, to you know, have people just talk a little bit about is, you know, is, is the grind, you know, is, is, is the grind of what you're doing. You know, like people out there, you know, they, they you know, it's funny, it's, you know, whether it's investment banking or whether it's, you know, you know, you know working in pro sports, you know, you know, people are attracted to positions, whether it's, you know, monetarily, whether it's based on, you know, hey, you know, it must be really cool to work in the NFL, you know, but they don't often take into account, you know, what exactly the job is and, you know, how committed, you know, you need to be to be doing that job. So just talk to us a little bit about, you know, again, obviously, you know, you know, I remember the conversations that we had when you were at West. I knew that this was really what you wanted to do, you know? So, you know, when I wrote a letter of recommendation for you, I, you know, I was very clear when I said, this is not someone who thinks this is what they want to do. This is someone who knows this is what they want to do and, and are going to be committed to doing it. And, and I really think that that's, that makes such a, a huge difference because to be able to, you know, make it through that grind and, 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 you know, it, it's not like it becomes easier every year, but, you, you you become more accustomed to the lifestyle, I guess is the best way to say it. It's, you know, a lot of similarities to coaching. So just talk a little bit about that. For sure. You know, I think it's super important that you just have that mentality of being willing to do anything that's asked to you. And I think that goes for pretty much any profession. You know, starting out, when I first got there as a scouting assistant, it was, you know, not only all my responsibilities in the football side of things, but it's also, you know, uh, one of the things I'd do is I'd make sure I was there by 5.30 every day before any of my bosses or the coaches got in for the most part and just made sure the coffee was ready before they got there. Just doing little things like that that, you know, they don't really mean a whole lot, but it just kind of speaks to your mentality and speaks to your commitment and speaks to being willing to do the little things, you know. And especially when you're starting out, especially in uh, like in the scouting world, for example, like you're not, when you're a scouting assistant, 
it's not a glamorous position whatsoever. It's doing things, like I said, like make the coffee, you're driving players around, you're going to pick up dry cleaning, you're doing all sorts of stuff on top of your usual role, which was at the time making cut-ups on players and things like that. And you also have to be the guy who's uh, getting the players to take them upstairs and having their dreams crushed. And that was one of the tougher things too. So, you know, really the grind of it is just that you're working very, very long hours. It's really 14 hour days, most days, 15. And, you know, especially in the season, you know, you're giving up things like Thanksgiving this week. Like I'm not home all day. We're in the office. Then you get home for dinner and Christmas, you don't have that much anymore. And there's a lot of sacrifices that end up being made because, you know, it's something that I love to do and it's something that I've always wanted to do, but it doesn't come without sacrifice and it's certainly a grind throughout the entire process. So Shane, do you focus primarily on the offensive, the defensive side of the ball or both when it comes to scouting for the, for the next week's opponent? Um, it's both. It's actually all three phases. It's offense, defense, and special teams. So you end up, uh, you end up writing reports on every player on the team and all their practice squad guys too. And, you know, you look at all three phases and kind of give your opinion on, what they're good at, what they struggle with, and how we can take advantage of them. So it's all three phases. So when you're preparing for a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, you just write fast? <laughs> you know, you're not far off. <laughs> you, you, could, you could do a good bit of that one. You know, the yeah. quarterback's good. Yeah. Wide receivers are fast. The tight end's good. Really, really, really talented players. Really good coach. Really good team. Yeah. Exclamation that, that point. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to, to get into the mind of another just fantastic guest. You guys are listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, along with the coach, Mike Whalen, the silent one, Mike O'Brien. I'm Chris Grace, joined today by class of 2015, former football player, current Tampa Bay Buccaneers pro scout, Shane Scanella is with us. Uh, so Skane, uh, Shane, excuse me, we've, uh, we've talked about your evolution, getting to where you are. What's the next step for you? You want to, obviously you talked about wanting to become a general manager at some point. So, um, you know, do you, do you want to stay with Tampa Bay? Do you want to look elsewhere to try to find another job in upper management? Do you want to stay with scouting? What's the next, next move for you here down the road? Uh, you know, it's not, uh, I'm not sure. You know, I definitely, I want to stay with Tampa Bay. I'm happy with where I am and, you know, sort of the track for me, the next step would either be getting switched over to the college side or the next step for me on the pro side would be to be an assistant director of pro scouting or a director of pro scouting. But, you know, I'm really just focused on doing my job as best as I can every single day. And, you know, the next step will take care of itself, but certainly no current plans to move or anything like that. I'm very happy with where I am and loving what I'm doing right now. So I guess what, what I'd like to ask you about, and we ask everyone about this is um, during your time at Wesley and you obviously, you didn't major in football. You, you know, you went to a liberal arts school you majored in the same thing I majored in, actually, sociology. I enjoyed sociology because I thought, although I didn't think I was going to use it for anything per se, I thought it gave me a really interesting way of looking at things and thinking about things, a unique perspective. Talk about kind of your experience majoring in sociology and then the entirety of the liberal arts experience of what you gained at Wesleyan. Not, not football-based, everything, your entire liberal arts experience that you took in at your time at Wesleyan. You know, I agree with what you just said about it. You know, it gives you a well-rounded view of how to look at things. And just the liberal arts experience as a whole, 
I think it just gives you a very well-rounded view of just how to look at the world and sociology specifically, it gives you a whole lot of different perspectives on different socioeconomic groups, different cultures, um, how different people think about different things. And it just sort of, for my job, where I sort of think that that has impacted me is a lot of the uh, character discussions that we have, like when we're talking about college players and they come from different areas and they have different strengths and weaknesses and different issues that come up. And it's, you know, I think it's given me a perspective on, you know, how to think about that because the Wesleyan curriculum and community is so diverse that you experience different things and you have different discussions about certain topics where I don't think you'd have at other schools with that don't have that liberal arts kind of well-rounded background. Yeah. And, and, and along those lines, Shane, I think, um, you know, you know, the, the, you know, obviously being able to, you know, to critically think, to, to be able to, you know, articulate yourself in, in, in a group and you'll be able to, you know, to, to, you know, analyze film or, um, you know, analyze a, a, a prospect and, and, you know, come to, you know, draw a conclusion and then being able to, you know, justify and, 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 um, you know, be able to uh, express your point of view on that person is, is, is going to be critical part of the process. So um, those are all skills that, 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 you know, you learn at a place like Wesleyan. But I think, I think that, you know, the other thing that I really, you know, kind of want to know is, is that, um, you know, what, what is really interesting to me in terms of all the people that we've talked to that have gotten into professional sports, you know, is, is that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's their, what I call the people skills, you know, being able to, you know, to really, um, uh, connect with people and, and, and understand the importance of, you know, working together as a team. So, you know, just talk about, I mean, obviously, you know, you know it, it's, it's, it's the game of football. You play the game of football. You know, obviously that should translate, but just talk bigger than that. Talk bigger picture than that in terms of understanding teamwork, understanding, you know, those other dynamics that come from, you know, your experiences on the football field. You know, I think in scouting, it's interesting because, Inherently, when we're in meetings, it's sort of built where you're going to have different viewpoints, but you're all a part of the same team. So we talk a lot about how you have to be agreeably disagreeable, you know, because I might think a player is going to be an all pro. Another guy might think he's going to be a backup level player and you're going to sit there and you're in a meeting with, you know, 15, 20 people and you have to be able to constructively, you know, argue with each other. But it's got to be a constructive conversation and understand that we're all pulling towards a common goal, which is to get the best players we possibly can. But, you know, there's times where it's tense in the draft meetings and it's tense in the free agent meetings, but at the same time, you have a respect and an understanding with everyone in the room that we're all just trying to accomplish the same thing and that we're all just trying to get the best players we possibly can. So, you know, I think that that being agreeably disagreeable is something that comes up a lot because you got to be able to, you know, have disagreements, but make sure that it's, you know, pulling towards a common thread. Yeah. And, 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 you know, along those lines is, is that, you know, you, you come out of those meetings and it's no different than, you know, you know, meetings that we used to have when, you know, when, uh, when I was the head coach on a Sunday night after watching a film, getting everybody together and, you know, going around the room and everybody talk about their position at the end saying, Hey, what did we do? Well, what we didn't do well. And, you know, what do we need to do better? And, you know, there would sometimes be some pretty heated discussions, you know, but at the end when the door, you know, opened, it was like, 
everything was left in the room. We all, we all were going to be unified in our messaging going out. And, and we knew that we were turning the page going forward. And, and I think that's a, you know, that's a big part of it, you know, in terms of, um, you know, any, any organization, but specifically, you know, what you're doing right now, because it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, everybody has their opinion. Everybody, you know, wants to believe what they believe is, is the right. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to all, you know, agree to disagree and have to all decide that, Hey, you know, we're going to put the best interest of the team, you know, first and we're all, we're everyone's, everyone's mission is the same. And that in your situation is to get the best player. Absolutely. So Shane, I mean, I know personally I've been wrong once or twice coach. I'm still waiting for that first time he's been wrong, but <laughs> tell me about, you know, in your early run here as a, as a pro scout, one time where you just really, you know, just really laid an egg and, and just, you know, and then, then you can tell me about a good experience too, but sometimes the misery is more fun than, than the joy. So tell me about the worst experience you've had as a scout, you know, in terms of, you know, sticking your neck out there, arguing for something and just having it totally blow up on you. Oh, you know, I don't want to name any, you don't have to name anyone personal. Anything like that. But you know, there's times where, you know, and it happens to, it still happens to this day. It's just part of the, uh, the process is like they've done we've done studies where we go back and look at everyone's grades across the league and things like that and you know when this is kind of a common you know theme throughout it where if you're right about 70 percent of the time that's pretty good like you can go back and look at any team's draft record and if you're batting 700 on your draft picks that's pretty good so you know there's always times where you're gonna really like a guy and then they're just not who you think they are it just for whatever many different reasons you're going to be wrong, but you know, there's just been times where I've just been too high on a guy's traits and then they get up to the NFL level and it just hasn't translated. So it happens when it's always going to continue to happen, but you just got to figure out what went wrong with your evaluation and try not to make the same mistake again. And what do you, what do you think, you know, Shane, I know, um, you know, in my opinion, the hardest thing, you know, that, that I had to do as a head football coach, um, you know, was, was find a quarterback, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, people say all the time, it's the hardest position to recruit for in sports. And I, I, I really believe it because it, it plays such an integral, you know, if you don't have a quarterback, it's going to be very, very difficult to compete. And so, um, you know, when, when you're going through this process and um, you're evaluating quarterbacks, you know, what, what are some of the things that, that, that you think, you know, you really, you look for, you know, obviously, I mean, other than the, you know, the physical things, but what are the, you know, kind of take us through kind of, you know, how you would evaluate a quarterback. You know, I think number one, it starts with the person, especially at the quarterback position. You know, you just want to have a high level leader, a high level competitor. You want someone who's tough and you want someone who's smart. You know, I think that without any of those attributes as part of your makeup, it's going to be tough to make it a long time in the NFL. And then, you know, it's part of their physical traits. I'd say that accuracy is the biggest one. That's something that I think is can be improved a little bit once you reach the next level. But I think for the most part, it's something that you either have or you don't. And then uh, they're just kind of field vision, their arm strength, all those physical traits show up as well. But, you know, I think more than any other position in football, their mental makeup is the most important more than anything else. And, and you know, I think, I think too, you know, the, one of the things that, that, you know, again, I'm going to give you an analogy at the college level and, and you can tell me if, you know, uh, you know, I assume this would be the analogy would be, you know, uh, you know, draft pick versus free agent. But 
you know, I know you recruit a, you recruit a, uh, a, a, a college football class and, you know, you, you have 25 guys coming in in that class, you know, and it doesn't happen every year, but it happened for me probably every two or three years, if not more, um, where some player that was in that 18 to 25 range that I was thinking, I was really hemming and hawing saying, you know, I don't know if we should take this kid. I don't know if this kid's going to be the right fit. I don't know if he's big enough, strong enough, fast enough, you know, whatever those things are, those measurables are, you know, and, you know, something, something kind of just led me to say, let's take this kid, you know, and kid came in, made the most of the opportunity, ends up being a captain, ends up being an all league player, you know? So, you know, I mean, I'm sure those are, you know, few and far between, but they certainly do happen. So, you know, talk a little bit about that, you know, in terms of, you know, I think people focus on the draft because the draft is so critical, obviously, but then there's also those free agent guys that a lot of them come in and, 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 you know, they make significant contributions to the program. Yeah, for sure. And I think kind of what you just said, where they might not be as big, as fast, as strong, as physically gifted, you know, so they end up going undrafted. And for us, it's that undrafted free agent process. And you have guys who you sign after the draft because, you know, you thought maybe, you know, they were lacking a little bit of talent to draft them. But, hey, you know, I like their makeup. I like the program they came from. I like how they compete. I like how tough they are. All those attributes that, you know, maybe don't show up on their combine workout and things like that that made them go undrafted. Well, then you get them in your building and they're able to punch above their pay grade and make the team make significant contributions. You know, we've had guys in Tampa like Adam Humphreys, who he left us uh, last year and he ended up getting like $7 million a year from the Titans. And we have Cam Braid here with the Bucks still, who's an undrafted guy. And, you know, those are two just really good examples of guys who have come in as undrafted free agents and really made significant impacts for us. So those type of guys, they come around every year and teams are always going to overlook one or two. and you just hope that you're the team that ends up getting them. And then, and then what about the, uh, what about the, you know, the different levels at the college level, you know, like, you know, how difficult is it? You know, again, it doesn't happen all that often, but you know, Hey, there's division three players, the division two players, there's one double a players, you know, how, how difficult is it to project those, you know, uh, lower level kids to, 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 you know, to, to, to get into the league, you know, how, how, you know, what are some of the things you, you're really just taken to, is it all based on the measurables or is it, are there other things that you try to, you know, look at? You know, on the lower level guys, the measurables definitely help more because you're not seeing them against the typical, you know, D1 caliber players that you're used to evaluating anyone else against. But, you know, the number one thing that we're looking for when we're evaluating a lower level guy is are they dominating their competition? You know, if they are consistently jumping off the screen and, that definitely gives them a chance and we'll kind of keep them alive throughout the fall. And then if they're good enough, they'll end up being at a, usually they will be an all-star game like the East West Shrine game or the senior bowl. And a, a good example of that is actually Ali Marquette, who was a division three offensive lineman at Hobart. And uh, we ended up drafting him in the second round and now he's gotten a big contract and he's still with us. And uh, he ended up being, actually we drafted him. I got there in March and then we drafted him that April. And uh, when he came on his visit, I was a scouting assistant at the time, so I'm picking him up from the hotel and driving him around. And, you know, it was just kind of funny. We both graduated uh, D3 programs and 
he's about to go in the second round. I'm driving around, so you know, <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was a tale of uh, that's what happens when you're five eleven, two fifty versus six four, three ten, and runs a five flat forty. <laughs> yeah, he's ended up being a pretty good player. Yeah, he's been awesome for us. Yeah. So Shane, talk a little bit about what the process is like the day after the draft, dealing with all of the guys who don't get drafted because there's only seven rounds and there are so many good college football players that don't get drafted for whatever reason. So undrafted free agency is maybe the most hectic process that we go through every year. So it's not even, it's actually not even the next day. It is directly after the seventh round ends. Everyone is working the phones uh, the NFL gives you a set budget that you can use on signing bonuses for that year. And uh, basically, we divvy it up by scout and by position. So, for example, I had uh, offensive line this year, and they basically said, hey, you have this amount of money to work with, and we need this many guys. And you're like at that point, I already watched all the uh, linemen had my evaluations on them, and it's like, okay. It's like the Wild West. You're calling agents. You're calling players. You're selling them. You're having – the old line coach calling the agents and the kids at the same time, selling them on it. And uh, it's really is like the most hectic two or three hours of the year right after the draft ends. I've, I've actually heard people say that for a lot of players, they prefer to be undrafted than to be like a, a late seventh round or late sixth round pick. Cause you kind of have a little bit, a little bit more leeway and you kind of have a little bit more control of where you go and maybe the situation that you end up in. So for someone like you, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a lot of fun to have that much power and that much control, whether it's over the offensive line or whatever position even for just a few hours, just to be able to make those kind of decisions got to be pretty cool. No, it is fun. It is fun for sure. And, you know, you kind of have to put your sales hat on and sell them on the fit and sell them on the team and sell them on why it's going to work. But yeah, like you said, some of these guys really do prefer to go undrafted because then they get to pick their situation and kind of find the best fit for them as opposed to kind of being pegged down in one place. So it is an interesting process for sure. And, and are there guys that, you know, again, you know, that were really, you know, kind of, you know, on your board again, you know, could be really high on your board or, but, but, but on your board that, you know, ended up somewhere else, someone else took them higher than you guys were had them rated or whatever, but you guys really liked them. And, and then for whatever reason, you know, a couple of years down the road, they don't work out, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, you know, you know, do we bring this guy in? Do we, you know, do we talk to him about a, you know, free agency, you know, that kind of a thing. So, in addition to trying to identify all of the new guys coming through, you're also keeping tabs on all the old guys that are in the league, right? Absolutely. And I think that's really the biggest part of our job from a pro scouting perspective is keeping track of those guys. And that's kind of the nice thing that I think uh, our general manager and the rest of our directors do a good job of with us with the box is they kind of keep us involved in the college process so that when they do come through the league, we're already familiar with them. We have a, uh, comfortability with their skill set and their makeup and we're familiar with them. So then when those guys end up getting released or they become free agents, we already have, you know, a baseline of knowledge to then compare to what they've done at the NFL level and decide if they're going to be a fit for us or not. So, so we, Shane, we like to ask everyone, you know, if, if you could go back to your time in Middletown um, and talk to the current Cardinal student athletes, what's one piece of advice that you would give them something that you know now that maybe you didn't know back then? Hmm. I think I'd just tell them that nothing that happens is going to be easy and you need to be willing to work for whatever you want. I'd just say, I think that one of the issues with my generation, I think that a lot of people think that 
things are just going to be handed to you. And I hear, you know, well, I don't like my current job. And for a lot of people, it's their first job out of school. And they say, all I'm doing is grunt work. And I feel like I'm capable of doing more. And you know what? You might be right. But and if you ever want to be doing more than what you're doing right now, you're going to have to do that grunt work. And you're going to have to put the time in. And you're going to have to show that you're dedicated and that you really want it. So I just say be willing to do the grunt work and be willing to put your head down and go to work and work hard. And then good things will come for you. Good advice. Good advice, my man. So uh, we're going to finish up here. One of the things we like to do is uh, we have this uh, we call the gauntlet round. Okay, the, we're going to put you through the gauntlet chain. Okay, Let's do so, it. Uh, and uh, going to give you ten questions, and uh, essentially what we what we want you to do is kind of give us the first things that come to your mind. You know, the first uh, first answer right away, um, and uh, kind of rapid fire, keep it going. And uh, you know, this is this is usually fun. So, uh, Chris, you ready? I'm ready. Shane, you good to go? Let's do it. All right, Coach, lead him off. All right, easy one. Softball question starting you off. Favorite professor at Wesleyan? Hmm. Professor Roth. Ooh, there you go. Who is the most influential person in your life? My father. Uh, what was your first job? Not after graduating, because we know you went right to the Bucks. But what was your first job as a high school kid growing up? Delivering pizzas. Nice. Nice. Okay, here's a tough – this is the toughest one. This is really the game changer, I like to call it. If you were forced to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? Hmm. I'm going to go with neither. <laughs> you passed. Love it. Love it. When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was five years old, I thought I'd be an NFL player, but that didn't quite go. Go to plan. What's the best piece of advice you've received in your life? It would be from my grandfather, who always said, do a job. Good. Uh, in three words, describe your West experience. Enriching, fun, and memorable. You go. What do you miss most about your time at Wesleyan? I'd say the people. I think I made some of my best friends in the world there and just miss hanging with everyone there. What's the best Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years? Hmm. I would say us winning the little three Amherst. There you go. There you go. Love it. That was a loaded question by the coach, of course. Uh, okay, here it is. This is the last one. You can have dinner with any alum of Wesleyan University from any time period. Who would it be? Bill Belichick. All right. There you go. There you you go. passed. You survived the gauntlet. Way to go. <laughs> Did well. Other than, other than what I thought was the easiest question, the professor. But, you know, I think he was debating on whether or not he wanted to say the president or not, you know. So <laughs> that was a good political answer. I got to say that. I got to say that. In fact, I'll, I'll make sure I'll make sure President Roth listens to this one. That's, <laughs> that's the first time he's gotten name dropped on our podcast, Coach. So that's a big win for yeah. us. It's yeah, a no big question win. about it. And, I meant and, President know, Roth, not Professor. I apologize for that. That's okay. He likes it. He actually likes it when people call him Professor Roth because 
that you know he loves the fact that you know hey he's not just a he's not just running the place you know he's also teaching you know he uh he really takes a lot of pride in that and and uh, i think it's uh it speaks volumes in terms of you know his commitments to our students because he he you know I, I love it because so many times we'll be standing on the sideline of a game and you know he'll just say geez you know had so-and-so in my class you know wow what an impressive kid you know and and you know, just to have those interactions with the students for a president, you know, I mean, I know it's, it's no different than me now as the ADs, you know, unfortunately I don't, you know, I don't get to, to, uh, you know, to go out and, uh, you know, in, in pre-practice and hang out with the offensive linemen and hear all the stories from the weekend and, you know, all that other good stuff I, you know, I used to get, you know, it's, uh, you know, now it's, uh, you know, I've got to really work to, to get to know the athletes, but I also feel, it's uh, it's a great opportunity to get to know more athletes and and you know people outside the football program. So uh, you know it's 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 definitely um, a win-win situation there. But uh, Shane, we really appreciate you spending the time with us tonight. You know this is uh, this is great. And uh, again, you know I think uh, uh, for me, you know as as someone that had you know the, the the good fortune to coach guys like you is is one of the things that makes me really proud is is to uh, you know see you come through and. And again, you know, identify what, what your passion is and then and then go get it, you know, and work hard to get it. And, you know, I've got uh, I've got no doubt that uh, you're going to go on to have a great career. And I just look forward to uh, to watching it and, and uh, you know, just making sure that I stay on that short list for tickets. <laughs> you will always be on that. So, well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for having me on. All right, man. You take care. Have a great Thanksgiving. Yes, too. Thanks. That's going to do it for us here tonight. For the coach, Mike Whalen, producer Mike O'Brien, I'm Chris Grace. Thank our guest tonight, Shane Scannell, class of 2015, current Tampa Bay Buccaneers scout. You've been listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. Until next time, so long, everybody.